The sermon I've written below is written with a general, adult church audience in mind and as a requirement for school. The majority of the members are professing Christians but there may be, and probably are, those in attendance that have not begun to follow Christ. In preparation I used various Bible translations, the notes in those study Bibles, and multiple commentaries. Along with notes I wrote to each verse I made an outline to write from for the message. The resulting sermon follows below. Pruning the Vine When I was about 10 years old my mother took me to a blueberry farm to pick blueberries. This was in Georgia where the bushes grew high and, unlike here in Maine, you didn't need a rake or to bend over to harvest the berries. I had a very nice time, bucket in one hand, the other pulling large, fat, dark blueberries off the branches to put in my bucket. These bushes were neat and fairly uniform so I knew that they were well looked after. And very few branches were without any berries. We stayed there a while and got quite a lot of berries. And during that time I saw workers occasionally. I noticed they would snip off some branches here and there and when done with one bush would move to the next. Errant branches were pruned making the bushes appear neat. But aside from aesthetics it also, mom explained, made the bush produce more berries since it didn't expend nutrients on bare branches. So along with a nice memory made with my mom, I also got a bit of a horticultural lesson, too. The text we'll look at today talks about vines and branches. Jesus was talking to his disciples and teaching them about their relationship with God. As he often did when teaching important lessons Jesus used a metaphor, almost a bit of story, to help teach the lesson. If you brought your Bibles please turn to John, chapter 15 and read with me verses 1 through 4. I am the true vine, and my father is the vinegar. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. The area where Jesus and his disciples lived was full of vineyards. They were all very familiar with grapevines and how to take care of those vines to produce wine. So the meaning, the imagery, of the verses we just read would have been very well understood. The comparison of the Jews to grapevines had been well known historically. In Isaiah 5 1-7, Psalm 88-16, Jeremiah 2:21, and Ezekiel 19:10, the Jewish people were compared to a vine planted by God. In John 15 1 Jesus is saying He is the true vine, the true one of God, who sustains life and gives the strength, the life-giving nutrients, as His were, sustaining believers. He also taught his disciples that just as he is the true vine, God the Father is the vinegrower, the farmer that tends the plant making sure it grows to produce the more fruit. So it is God that planted, Jesus is the vine or source of all our needs, we are the branches that produce the fruit of the Spirit in our world. As the vinegrower, God prunes the branches that hinder the growth. In the Greek, this word, prune, can also be translated as clean. When we look at the fact that we, the church, are the branches we are cleaned by Christ of our impurities or sin so that we may produce more fruit of the Spirit. And the amount of fruit produced is in direct correlation to our relationship with Christ, both if we have one and if so, how close we walk with or abide in, Him. So what is this fruit that true followers of Christ tend to produce? In the letter to the Galatians Paul wrote that the fruit of the Spirit is, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness and self-control. As followers of Christ, with Him abiding in us, we will have elements of all these characteristics. The strength of each will depend on how closely we are abiding in Christ. The more we rely on Him the more of each of these, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control we will exhibit. And because we abide in Christ we exhibit these traits with no ulterior motive. 
We aren't kind just so people think better of us or to have something go our way. We don't love someone because of what they do for us. We love that person because of who they are, intrinsically and unconditionally, and because we have God in us loving that person through us. The closer our walk with God, with Christ, the more like Christ we become. Believers are pruned, or cleaned, by going through struggles to both strengthen them and produce more fruit of the Spirit or to clean sin from their lives. But what kind of struggles are these? There is the internal struggle, the inner tension we feel, as we commit sin. The closer you are to God the more you will feel this inner tension. And sometimes we will have blessings withheld because of our continuing sin. If we are choosing to sin we cannot expect to also gain blessings from our Heavenly Father. Other times, though, the struggles we face have nothing to do with sin but are to teach us a lesson. For example, if you struggle with patience you may well have more wait time in lines and endure more stoplights as you drive or ride somewhere to teach you to be patient. Our responsibility when we go through struggles is to determine, using both the intelligence God has given us and prayer, whether the struggle is due to sin or if we are to learn something new. We've looked at the fruit we are to produce and how we produce that fruit. Now we must look at some other branches on the vine. Verse 2 states that every branch not producing fruit is removed. The church as a whole is pruned or cleaned. Unfortunately, not all those that claim to be Christian are followers of Christ. How does God prune the vine, clean the church, of those that are not truly followers of Christ? There are four ways, church discipline, fall to temptation, persecution, and tribulation, and physical death. Jesus instructs us, in Matthew 18 15-20 how to conduct church discipline. If we have a problem with a church member we first go to that member to resolve it. If the matter isn't resolved we take two or three with us and try to resolve it. If it still isn't resolved we take the matter in front of the entire church. And if at that point the person in question is still unrepentant and committing sin they are put out of the church. Another way for an unbelieving person to be pruned from the church is to fall to temptation. Sin would make the person more and more uncomfortable with going to church to the point they stop coming and get further into their sin. God will use persecution and, and tribulation to prune His church. Some people will stop going to church and stop having a relationship with Christ because life gets hard. They don't like people laughing or teasing them for being a believer. Or they have a lot of difficulties that are just part of life and they blame God. And there are times that God will use death as a means of cleansing the church. I don't believe this is an often used means. But just because something is rare and you never see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. There are times that someone is so intent on continuing in their sin and ignoring God that God will cause them to die. I think this is done most often as a consequence of some action, the natural consequences of the sin committed. The very rare instances that a person mired in sin dies and it's not a natural consequence of the sin, that person is taken out of this world because of the harm they are causing others here on earth. Again, I believe this is a rare thing and how it squares up with all the horrible actions done by people in this world I can't answer. There are some things we just won't know this side of eternity. Ours is not to know all but to abide in Christ and live out His teachings. Earlier I told you that the Greek word for prune also can be translated as clean. When Jesus was talking to His disciples He said that they were already clean because of the word spoken to them. This is referring to Christ's teachings. As Christ had not yet died for our sins the direct teaching from the mouth of God is what cleansed the disciples of sin. After Christ's death on the cross, it is His sacrifice of Himself in our place, the conquering of death, which cleanses us. For true believers that pruning spoken of refers more to refining discipline than the harsher, more final, discipline discussed earlier. It is the pruning of teaching us how to love more by placing us in situations where we are challenged to love the unlovable like God does, to be kind to those who are unkind to us, to have patience with those around us that try our nerves, and to have the self-control in all areas as needed. As difficult as some of these lessons are, 
We should be thankful for them as they make us more like Christ, assuming we respond in the way Christ would have us respond. We can only respond to these lessons as Christ wants if we are abiding in Him. This abiding that is spoken of is a symbiotic kind of relationship. Christ lives in us and we live in Him. He gives us the strength, knowledge, language, and ability to do His will. We are the hands, feet, and mouth of God. Through us, God works His will to effect change on this earth. With this kind of responsibility, it is necessary to look at how we effectively abide in Christ. It is through prayer, study and reflection of the Bible that we abide in Him. Through prayer, we commune with our God. We can pray His Word back to Him by praying the Psalms. We can talk to God as we would any one of our friends or parents while we walk or drive. Some of my best times communing with God have been during a hike and then sitting on a rock overlooking His creation. Or while on the lake in a kayak watching the fish and loons swim about. It is often in those times I best hear my Lord speak. When we read the Word of God, study it, we often have insight that we didn't have prior. That insight causes us to grow and that growth will later cause more insight, causing more growth. God also speaks through His other children to us through the teachings and discussions as we study, or just discuss what we've recently learned. And God will also teach others through the experiences we have had as we relate those lessons we learned. These lessons, though they often seem like a trial, will often later be seen as blessings we experienced because of the growth, the change, brought about in us. If we refuse to learn and grow through these lessons we cannot be used by God in this world to effect change and do His will. Without us, Christ's work on earth will not be done. We have learned God planted the vine, who is Jesus Christ, and we are the branches that extend from Him. We learned we either produce fruit or we don't. If we are producing any fruit we learn that we will be pruned to produce more fruit and if we aren't producing any at all we will eventually be pruned off the vine completely. So the question we have to ask ourselves is this, are we abiding in Christ? Do we truly follow Him or are we just going through some motions thinking everything is okay while deep down we know we things are not okay? Can you think of a time you decided, definitively, that you are going to be a follower of Christ and asked Him to abide in you? Look at your life. Are you producing fruit, big, juicy blueberries or are you producing tri-twigs? If you aren't sure, know without a doubt, that you are abiding in Christ now is the time to make sure. Let us pray. Father God, Thank you for the lessons we are taught. Thank you for loving us enough to cleanse us and purify us so we may live with you, abiding and communing with you closer than any other. Lord, I ask that if someone hearing this message isn't a follower of yours, bring them to you. Open their eyes to you, open their hearts to you, and make it so real that they can't explain it away later as something else. Renew in each of us that know you already the fire that burns inside us. May we each respond to you as we need, either committing our life to you for the first time or reigniting that fire to live for you. In Christ's name, I pray. Amen.